Yes, it's time now to light the final candle on our advent crown, which we made ourselves from decorations bought at the Pennywise. We hope you'll be keeping up with us at home through December. Lighting a new candle every time someone has a drink, says a swear word, or gets some easily researchable fact demonstrably wrong. And as we count down the hours to Christmas, you can see we've got over 600 candles on the go here at Mount Peg Towers. Now remember, fire is dangerous. You should always get a grown-up to help you lighting candles. If there are none around, you can give it a try yourself, but do stay as far away from the flame as possible. To do that, I'm using this brightly coloured lighter, the kind you can find in your mum's bag or your dad's coat pocket, and a can of Lynx Africa, just to extend my reach a bit. As well as looking pretty and smelling fantastic, you can really feel the warmth coming from the tree. Well, that's our scene set for Christmas Eve, and if you listen carefully, you might just be able to hear the festive approach of the Shepherd's Bush Auxiliary Fire Brigade. Come to join us for mince pies and roasted collie. Okay, now it's back to you, Leslie. Fuck! On today's little drama boy... The BBC Staircase and their stands on Christmas Eve. Val Dunican in a custard anorak and chicken oxo slacks. Oh, oh let's watch a man playing snooker. It, uh, really, Val, really, is that is that what you've got for us? We've come all the way out here to Shepherd's Bush and you're oh. showing us fucking snooker. But it does, it gets worse it's not even because... Like, at least with Bullseye, there's the chance that someone's going to get injured. She's hammering that fucking glockenspiel so hard that with it's my It's a ten- fucking vibraphone! Bognobs has had sherry. He has? Are you alright? Hello and welcome to this Christmas Eve episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. Yes, indeed, it's the last of the series and we've reached the top of the Christmas tree. I'm Dr. Velvet. I am Blackout. I'm Ozzy Bognops, and I've spelled port down my jumper. So I can see. Look at the state. And we're here to give you more festive delights <laughs> from Christmas telly. Yes, hello you, and thank you for joining our open house casual cultural critique of Christmas television, where Britain's best love battle axe is never far from the tree, because here all roads lead to the mountain. Whether you can walk up them or not is a different matter. <laughs> if you need us, you can find info and links for the programme we're discussing over at PeggyMountPod.com, as well as links to our socials and all the places you can listen and subscribe. And before we even know if it's Christmas time at all, I've got to ask, what toy you've brought in for the last day of term and what are we drinking? Thank you, Word Perfect. I'll tell you exactly what I've got. I have brought in... Magnadoodle. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me you don't know what fucking Magna Doodle is. I know what Magna Doodle is, I never had one. Is that my fault? <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean I'm 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 looking at it and I can't work out how it works. I don't I don't think this is the platform for me to finally re- work out what Magna Doodle is. What do you see there, right there? You see the orange pen? Uh-huh. I well pick well right, okay. So you pick that up and you draw things on it. Right. The thing is on the pen the thing is You're drawing filth, that's the no. problem. No, you can write rude words in magnets. So it's essentially C-fax. <laughs> it's C-fax. Well, exactly. And what am I drinking? I'm drinking um, a gin and Dubonnet, just to warm yourself through. OK, what about yourself, Mr Bognops? Well, I've brought me harpsichord. And pop bingo. I bring a magnet doodle. 
And you bring a harpsichord. <laughs> well, I had space in my bag. <laughs> what are you drinking, though? What are you drinking? Well, I've unfortunately finished the crusted port, and I'm now on Marks and Spencer's own brand, and it's going down a treat. Unfortunately, I've stopped drinking it out of the glass, and I'm now drinking it out of the bottle. <laughs> You know what I mean? You can't oh, argue with that, to be fair. fair Blackout, what are you necking? Uh, well, I have brought in Big Loader, and I've got the trucks carting around. Instead of ball bearings, some pills I brought off that man who hangs around outside the gates. Uh, and I'm on the brandy as well. He's drinking brandy. I'm what, on the brandy. What kind, uh, yeah, what kind of brandy? Uh, it's the three barrels, which isn't the best, but it isn't the worst. It'll do. You know, it's better than cooking. Uh-huh. Three barrels is all right. I'm sucking mine out my jumper because, as I told you, I spilt the damn thing down it. Anyway, you know what? It's, it is effectively the last day of term, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's a time for celebration. It really is. It's Christmas Eve. Let's turn the clocks back to how it was. And back in the day on BBC One, it was the one place you were guaranteed to catch VD. Some of my best friends some of them old ones, some of them new All of them waiting with nothing to do But share a few moments with you Some of my best friends are some An absolute legend of beige entertainment, Val Dunican rose to success in the 1960s with a string of hit albums before landing his eponymous TV show on BBC One, where he'd mix gentle music and light chat for the best part of two decades. Tonight we've watched Christmas Eve with Val Dunican, originally broadcast at quarter to eleven on December the 24th, 1986. Aye. As he says, Christmas Eve, time to be at home. I say, getting shit-faced and defrosting the turkey in the bath. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is it's also a little message uh, I don't know he's celebrating his success that whole intro sequence basically says look what I've got look where I live look at all of this that I have and you don't have it but doctor I have a point to make about this if you yes. notice, when he puts the mistletoe up, he pretends to put a drawing pin in, and it's he quite does. clear it's not his house because there's a no drawing pin policy because he takes just too long, and it's clearly blue tack. <laughs> Do you think that's the case? Well, I said no blue tack, mind else it's all coming down. Another factor is the presents on the tree. Well, if you're hanging presents on the tree, what the fuck is it? A box of tissues? Yes. Yes, it's, it's hardly absolutely likely this, to yes. be, you know, it's hardly likely to be the bottle of port that I am emptying at the minute, because they would just make the tree fall over. So hang on a minute. Are we thinking it's a facade? It could be, but let's let's take for example, Val Dunican had two daughters. Why is there only one taking part in the film along with his wife Lynn? The other one's holding the camera. Yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. And my only and my only other point, which is absolutely charming and just typically BBC eighties. The stagecoach? No, I'll come to that in a minute. The words you can't stop work till you've stuffed the Turk, either duck, the chicken or the goose. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop work till you've stuffed the Turk. Yeah. The what? 
E, the duck, the chicken, or the goose. There's more. <laughs> all right, lads. All right, all right. During that oh. opening number, you see him mm. wrapping up a copy of Dirk Bogard's memoir, Backcloth. Now, that was published in 1986, so it's still a new book at that point. Do you reckon Dunican is the kind of person who gets sent free books from his entertainment contacts? Then he, yes, then he reads God, them yes. and he gives away the ones he doesn't like as Christmas presents because I reckon he'd do that. Yeah. Yes. Another question that about that house is, as, as uh, the good doctor said, this is where I live, aren't I hellish? Everything is amazing. They haven't got the heating on because they're all wearing jumpers. <laughs> I love. I no. I I fucking love how this entire thing looks like a skit from a Father Ted episode. <laughs> <laughs> the red sweater he's got on yeah. with the black and the white sort of high, uh, sort of accent on it is fucking magnificent. He looks like a light I entertainment agree. Deadpool. In- <laughs> Amazing. So where does he live? That he can get a horse and carriage into television centre. So he lived in Maidenhead. So he had had to go down the M4 and get changed. Now, he was sitting outside of that carriage, so he had to stand on the top of the thing and get changed on the M4 before getting to White City, by which point... (laughs) All right, so we're in the stagecoach. Off we go to BBC TV Centre, and my God, there we are. Yep. He walks down the stairs. The BBC staircase. The BBC staircase, and there stands on Christmas Eve Val Dunican in a custard anorak <laughs> and chicken oxo <laughs> slacks. Indeed. I've got fawn slacks with matching slip ons, lemon blues on jackets, and a custard yellow knitted tie. Yep. Ooh. I do think that. Val's off for some mutton broth and a pint of Pinot Noir by the looks of his outfit. He is perfectly channeling Christopher Kazanov in Children of the Full Moon. Indeed. Imagine what those two together in the bar, they would be formidable. I was going to say, they would be the Starskin Hutch of their era. Unfortunately, Absolutely. he didn't have that. He was the Dempsey and Makepeace of his era because he had to deal with Jan Leeming. And this is where I start to think the wheels come off about five minutes into this episode. Because the band play on with the theme to the BBC News. Now, right. don't they? And they stop very abruptly. Yeah. Because quite clearly, that's as long as it is, and she took longer to walk down the bloody staircase. Why is she even on this? Right. Is yeah, the yeah, burning yeah. question. Yeah. Is the burning question. Lehman comes floating on, looking like Dracula in Lilac Chiffon. They're, <laughs> their onstage banter is painful. This is improvised as fuck, isn't it? Yeah. They cannot possibly have scripted her asking Val if John Ketley walks around in his socks, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Do you know why she asked that? Because Ian McCaskill did. He didn't wear any other clothes, though. (laughs) No, he didn't. He didn't. But they couldn't have said that on Christmas Eve. But but Ian McCaskill walked around in his socks, and I think she was going to allude to something extra, but Val cut her off and was like, we're sick of this. Well, no, we had it on delay because he turned to the camera and he just went... It's fucking Christmas Eve. Snip. <laughs> Mind you, she gets she she gets a present from Val. Indeed. Every time Val gives someone a present on this program, mm. all the boxes are like suspiciously about what sort of eight inches square cubed. <laughs> yeah. And they're like yes, wrapped and they've got go. a big bonnet. And it, every time mm. he's like, 
You can't open that until uh, until tomorrow. You can't you can't open that. Do not open that. <laughs> and you're like, it's fucking empty, isn't it, Val? So essentially, she got a present, which was a Christmas pudding with the words "fuck off" yes. written in icing on the top of it. Just, yeah, no, just, that's what she, I that's read I read the news <laughs> written in it in drawn pins. Yes. yes. And on the back, spelt yes. out in Hollyberries, VD, because of course it was a gift from him. <laughs> of course, yeah, absolutely. You've got VD from Val Duric. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. We're getting value for money out of this joke, Ken. He, he approves. sings a song sitting in the audience. Now, for me, it is the most amazing arrangement. And basically, because if you look at the credits at the end, the first credited arranger is a guy called Robert Farnan, who was who worked with Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Ella Fitzgerald. He worked with everybody and Val Dunican. Uh, and this arrangement's absolutely lush, but he sits next to a woman in the audience who happens to be in shot in a blue dress. She looks fucking shit scared. Well, I was going to say, she looks terrified. It, she looks like he's going to give her a tonguey. Uh-huh. This looks like a hostage situation right <laughs> yes, now exactly. in the auditorium. It really does. Do you know what Christmas needs? A fucking xylophone. <laughs> right? All I'm saying is, and call me old-fashioned, the only person who should ever be allowed to play the xylophone on television is Sir Patrick Moore. See, I've yes. I've got in my notes why why couldn't they get Patrick Moore to do out with her, or even even the two right. Ronnies as the cleaning right. ladies? Come on, Val, it's Christmas, man. Interestingly, the very the very next, which was the very last Christmas show he did, was even mm. they ran out of money, so they did it from Pebble Mill with like eight in the band and four in the audience and two hundred and eighty on stage. So you just have to think. Hang on, there's there's a rabbit off here somewhere. Um, mm. So I thought the thought they maybe thought out as far outside of the box as they were going to get. So you're going to have a xylophone and like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah but the yeah. other thing is, let's not forget she is one of the greatest percussionists in the world, and you know you can't ever write that off. It was something to mm-hmm. make a change from all the country singers and David Attenborough and all the oh, idiots who. She been is on in the past. absolutely shit hot on this. Indeed. Amazing. And I love the fact, and this tells you everything you need to know. You look at the band and Ronnie Hazelhurst at the end of that, and they are all applauding her. Now, that is praise enough. Very small point. I pronounce her name Evelyn, because I just pronounced that name Evelyn. Evelyn. But he keeps pronouncing it Evelyn. Which one's right? Is it? Because it sort of seems like he's doing that to wind her up. No, I don't think he's doing it to wind her up. I think he just literally forgets. Okay. So on from Evelyn or Evelyn and on to Dennis Taylor, world famous snooker player, and a chance for Val to brag about the fact that he's going to get a snooker table for Christmas. The audience, by the way, at this point throughout the snooker bar. Yes. They fucking love it. And who? They are loving it. Who yeah. chooses their clothes? No, well. Oh, right, right. So you've just, you've just, you have read my notes right now. Okay, so, I mean, the coiffed hair. Yes. The air of importance uh-huh. that's that's going on uh, among some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on Valdugan. We're on Valdugan. You know they're busting a tit to tell their their neighbours the next day. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. No, it's it's Christmas Eve with Valdugan, and they're there at the start of September. They're loving it. <clears throat> yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. They've teased their neighbours at the coffee mornings for months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then at the end, they come back in January and they go, well, I remember Val saying to me over at the second Sherry, Absolutely. you know, oh. I just did this show for you, not for anybody else. They've dined out on this for months. There's a signed now, photograph of half the back of his head next to a camera. They're there at the church coffee morning saying, 
All I can say, darling, is Val Dunican, Dennis Taylor, Evelyn Glennie, Pink and Brown, let's leave it there. <laughs> Snooker chalk and a black ball. <laughs> and then we went to BBC TV Centre to see yes, these films. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and interestingly as well, I reckon it's take 14 of every single one of these trick shots, especially the last one. I reckon uh, Taylor's had balls in the ear, <laughs> up the nose, across the chest, <laughs> in the knackers, knocked his eye out. I love how they've booked an array of guests for this show who are undoubtedly yes. supremely <laughs> talented at what they do and also uninteresting as absolute fuck. <laughs> Snooker trick shots! It's Christmas Eve! This is worse than fucking Bullseye! <laughs> really? Oh, oh, let's watch a man playing snooker. It, uh, really, Val, really, is that is that what you've got for us? We've come all the way out here to Shepherd's Bush and you're oh. showing us fucking snooker. But it does, it gets worse. It's not even because... like, at least with Bullseye, there's the chance that someone's going to get injured. But it gets worse because then he's straight back out to the horse-drawn Landau to get changed back into the custard anorak, which uh-huh. sounds like uh-huh. the name of a pub. Um, and he does the Chris, the Christmas toy song, which is so famous, the audience haven't a fucking clue what he's talking about. I love how Val is singing about toys while he's sat in the middle of what looks like a giant Ouija board. What the fuck is he trying to say? Well, I didn't know if it was a Ouija board or a cathedral on its side. <laughs> well, you expect to see Batman walking <laughs> along the no, floor. No, I expect to see somebody slide past him going, Val, help! <laughs> And he's actually the chair is super glued to the window. He's there throughout this... At, at the start of this number, he's going on about how children's toys were better in the old days. Well, for Christmas 1986, I got the Transformers glow-in-the-dark electric racing set by Tycho. So Val can fuck off on this one. It's just jealousy. <laughs> I've got big track there. So he there can, we really, go. He can, there uh, we go. can eat a fucking horse, as far as I'm concerned. You can programme big track to go and tell Val Dunican to fuck off. I did. But unfortunately, the dog jumped on it and I had to get some new batteries. Did you have the trailer with the no, apple? No, I wasn't. I wasn't from Surrey. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah fair play. The fair tips play. the apple out. And there's the fucking apple. It's like, oh, I'm I love gonna your assumption that the apple comes in the box. Some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always knew someone with a big track, but I never knew someone with a big track with a trailer. And if you knew someone with a big track and a trailer and an apple, my God, you'd made it, man. You'd made it. So then Dunican's done, and he's back and he's off, and he's back on again, and he's got Glennie back on with him. He's getting his fucking money worth out of her book in mind. Yeah. She's hammering that fucking glockenspiel so hard that with it's my It's a ten- fucking vibraphone! I thought the vibraphone was electric. It, it It's not electric. You can plug the motor in, but she, I think, I don't know if she has the motor on. Bognobs has had sherry. He has? Oh, no, I'm on port now, and I've nearly finished the second bottle. She is hammering that fucking vibraphone so hard that with my tinnitus, I was still hearing it a minute and a half later. And let's like look... her life depends on it. So uh-huh. let's take this apart, gentlemen, because she's playing A House Is Not A Home. He sings Bless This House. See what he did there. The band appears Thank to be you. playing some ad-lib free-form heroin-induced jazz Acid that has house. no connection whatsoever to anything else. Absolutely. That is the theme tune. Or, or, or a variation on a theme to the theme tune to Bless This House. Absolutely <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. Sid James would be proud. Uh-huh. My good God. Absolutely. Sid James would probably wear the custard anorak, in fact. He'd wear it better, I think. Mm. 
I think he would, yeah. Maybe. He'd have bigger lapels. He'd have bigger lapels. <laughs> and then on comes the choir. Yeah, good God. The oh. Arts Educational School Chamber Choir. Yeah. This is everything that used to bore the arse off me when I was 13. I sort of like how they're doing a song which involves animal noises. Yeah. Ostensibly to keep it light, but in reality just to make it more embarrassing so that none of them can watch this footage back. They feel like twats. Yes, they feel like yes. twats. You can see it. It's a clear case also of writing the tune before putting the fucking words to it. And then they go into a roundtable carol medley, starting with the first Noel. Now, I think this is a coded reference to the fact that the set here went on to be repurposed for Noel's house party. Have a look in the show notes. <laughs> that is fucking insane. That is See, brilliant. It's not identical, but... Edmonds has definitely lifted this fucker. He's looked at this and gone, that looks like my house. I want that. That's the one. Yes. That's the one. Yes. That's where I live. That, that to me, says crinkly bottom, yep. said Edmonds. Absolutely. So this. Thinking, Indeed. And I'm well, he was learning his lines huh? for Christmas morning with Noel when he knew he was going to be stuck up the telecom tower. Thinking, <laughs> as it were. I'd ra- so after the first Noel, then they go into Mary's boy child. Jesus Christ. And that's the words. You can't touch us for it. That's the words. <laughs> And it appears at this point, trying to get the audience to join in, that Val has got three coach loads of Trappist monks. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they're just waiting for the grog and BBC mince pies. Not a clue, but uh, it just feels quite desperate at this point. They haven't enjoyed the snooker trick shots. They haven't enjoyed the vibraphone. They haven't even enjoyed the custard anorak. And yet, they're not even willing to sing some carols. How very festive. You mentioned the custard anorak. What I'm going to say is this. I'm sorry, but because of that, for all I think Val looks resplendent to this, mm. I feel shortchanged because I'm not getting the traditional Christmas jumper. Yes, he's in the rocking chair. Of course he is. Yeah, yeah. The world would ex- the world would explode once upon a time oh, if yeah. Val didn't sit didn't sit in a rocking chair at Christmas Eve. But he's not in. But what you've got Christmas instead is a jumper. green stripe in a shirt, and that's as festive as you're going to get. So deal with it. Yeah, well, that that would cause me on a Christmas Eve to smash the house up. (laughs) (laughs) Or you too, hey? You sit down and listen to Uncle Val doing what he does best, impersonating Bing Crosby, singing Dreaming of a White Christmas, a.k.a. I'm steaming on an old mattress. Um, (laughs) And the thing is, BBC getting the value here, which is probably resplendent in both the jokes and the mince pies, because the arrangement that he sings to has been used three times before on other Valdunican Christmas shows. Obviously. Of course. Yeah, why why Obviously, remake that? Yeah. yeah. Also, did you notice in the credits uh, Ken Barry, who was one of the backing singers? Ken Barry, of course, famous as the voice of Postman Pat. One rests one's case. Of course. Ooh. Indeed, yes, yes. Yeah, I'll be honest, by the time we get to White Christmas, I wasn't so much looking at his wardrobe. I was more concerned with how excruciating it is that he's made the entire girls choir sit on the floor in front of him gazing upwards thinking I'm dreaming of this fucking show being over bit of trivia for you Val Dunican had a hit mm. with the song Patrick McGinty's Go in 1964 which went to number one in 12 countries and actually started the charts rolling in another five it didn't go down so well in India however the world's top producer of goat's milk the Indian government thought that Dunican was mocking their industry and barred him from entering the country outright. This ban lasted until Dunican's death in 2015, upon which he was posthumously pardoned. It's true that, you can look it up. I think I'd better. Gentlemen, after that exasperating Christmas Eve... <laughs> yes. Uh, 
extravaganza. The longest Christmas um, Eve in living history. Go on. Absolutely. Pegs upon the Christmas tree before Santa arrives tomorrow. Uh, blackout. How many? Well, Christmas Eve with Val Dunican is twee and mm. self-satisfied and offensively bland. But I have to award it points for giving zero fucks about that. Seven out of nine. Aha. Uh-huh. Mr Bognops. Well... Um, I hear everything that uh, Mr Blackout said, but for me, BBC production values, BBC guests, BBC Christmas, BBC repertoire, chosen for relaxation, calm and gentle joy. We've lost this in television now. For me, it is a solid nine pegs out of nine. Oh, lovely job. What about yourself, Dr Velvet? I'm going for the estimable eight, because... Val Dunican it's Christmas Eve. It it was a it's a tradition. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's in the British institution. It's a what? Uh yes. So so yes, uh so a, a wonderful a wonderful eight. And with that, how many steps up the forefather to Noel's house party set <laughs> will it take you <laughs> to get up the mountain? Going on a theme, I can do this in three. Our Christmas Eve is spent here in the charming company of Valentino Dunican, who appeared in 1973's all-star comedy carnival next to Roy Barraclough, who guested in an episode of George and Mildred, as did Diana King, who played Mildred Fanshawe, of course, in You're Only Young Twice with Peggy Mount. With Sissy playing Santa Claus, I should be so lucky. Splendid, 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 splendid. Very good. Very good indeed. How about yourself, Ozzy Bognops? Would you join me? I shall indeed. <clears throat> As we get all cosy with Valerie Dunican, we can take a yuletide moment to remember that he once spent Sunday night at the London Palladium, treading the boards with... Jim Dale, who starred in the classic Carry On Screaming alongside... Norman Mitchell who played the landlord in the Use of Bath episode of You're Only Young Twice with... Peggy Mount. Oh, well, she shouldn't really. Oh, but it is Christmas, so go on. Give her a drop of milk. It's amazing. It's amazing. And therefore, after two cometh the third... Lovely work. Doctor, can you tell me... How many steps you're going to take up this inestimable hill? Oh, yes. Prepare to be amazed. As we curl up in an armchair listening to the delightful riffs of Valhalla Dunican, it reminds us of that time he was a guest on Ronnie Corbett's Saturday special. Alongside, I'm free, John Inman, a ten-pole star of I Being Served, an episode of which featured... Robert Raglan, who played Mr. Whittaker in the very first episode of You're Only Young Twice with Peggy Mall. Dolly, how many times do I have to tell you that if you drink trebles, you'll see doubles? Excellent work. Excellent, excellent Lovely. work. Yeah. Fine bit of business. You know what? Because of the fact that it is Christmas and it is Christmas Eve, it's almost Christmas Day, shall we pull some crackers? We should. We should. I think we should. Who's going to go first? Blackout? Can do, can do. Have you got Have you got a cracker lurking about? You grab hold of that end. Pardon? One, two, three. Ah! There Ooh. we are. 
What's in there? What's in there? Is there a hat? There is a hat. It's too small for my massive head. There was a joke as well. Would you like to hear the joke? I'd love to hear it. It'd be marvellous, that. Right. Hang on. Hmm. What is Peggy Mount's favourite sitcom set in a Brussels retirement home where a Chinese pianist and composer gets into scrapes with the founder of analytical psychology and his cloned self? <laughs> Euro N Lee Young twice. Yeah, I don't get it. Bognops. I pull I'll pull it with thee, Doctor. One, two, three. <coughs> well, I appear to have a paper custard anorak. I shall wear it about my shoulders. <laughs> I wanted that. That's not no, fireproof. You can't wear that. Oh please. Just just for the benefit of the joke. Benefit of the joke. So, what do you get if you cross Humphrey Bogart with Terry Wogan's quiz show? Casa Blankety Blanco. No, I don't get it either. I'm going home now. (laughs) Have you got got a brown string bag and a cap on? Do you know what I mean? Have we got one more cracker we can inflict upon the dear listener for having made it this far? Who's going to pull it? Oh, well, gives it here. We'll we'll both get it. Come on. We'll both get it. Here it comes. Are you ready? One... Two, three. That wasn't the cracker, that was my stomach, sorry. Oh, my. What's this? What have you got? What the hell? No, Nobody needs a rubber moomin. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. I believe that was actually the sequel to You're Only Young Twice, but it got cancelled to production stage. I'm not surprised looking at this. Okay, here we go. Right, here's the joke, here's the joke. Uh, One night in the TARDIS kitchen... Doctor Who was still hungry after his tea, so he went back four seconds. Anyway. <laughs> it, takes, it takes one thing to set him off. Of course it does. Anyway. And, two, and two to silence me. Absolutely. Right, listen. <clears throat> it's Christmas Eve. It's our end of term party. Mm-hmm. All I've got to say is, uh, well, what have we got to say? It's the end of the year, Christmas, and uh, we've had a lot of scoops. We've had a few bevies. So thank you, listener, for listening to everything, Uh, not just over the Christmas, but over the year. Um, Blackout's got your socials, but I've got a few more things to say afterwards. Yes. I've got a lot on. (laughs) But here's here's Blackout with your socials. Yes, thanks once again for grimacing through all of this. If it's the first time you listen to the podcast, then God bless you. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyManPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyManPod on Twitter and on Facebook. Don't forget to go over to PeggyManPod.com and have a gander at the show notes for all of our episodes. Maybe head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That's all we ask. That's not going to happen. It's not, it's, is it? Um, it's not after tonight. It's no, absolutely uh, not. not. Not in a million years. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it, it is the uh, the end of our Christmas specials. Thank you to Ozzy Bognops. A great pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. No, no, the pleasure is all yours. It's It's been wonderful. It really has. Thank you very much indeed. And um, 
It's, it's the, the most, most wonderful, wonderful time of the year. It really is, because it's the end of this particular series. Yes, this episode wraps it all up like a tightly bound present to put under the tree this Christmas Eve. Thank you so much for listening to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. And from the bottom of our beer kegs, from myself, Blackout and Ozzy Bognops, we wish you, dear listener... The very merriest of Christmases. But, however, it hasn't ended for this year. Of course it hasn't. Tune in for New Year's Eve. Should all acquaintance be... Whoa, 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 whoa. Can that not wait until the 31st? It's bad luck otherwise. That's a very good point, actually. All right, okay. That waits until the 31st, the New Year's special of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. Brace yourself for Hogmanay. Until then, keep mountain. The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from Eichel Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. <laughs> We're going great. Go on, carry on. Yeah. On today's... <laughs> Oh, not the port, it's kicking in. (laughs) 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 Mutley on steroids. The port, that's good. On today's Milky Maids, (laughs) Mr. Kipling does make exceedingly good bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) On today's pipes. (laughs) 